Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about female robots in the films Blade Runner and Ex Machina. But first, let's catch up. So what are you into? This week, I am very into, I just started watching the TV show Succession. It's an HBO show. And it's like, it's good and I'm enjoying it. I'm like talking myself down right now. Uh, it's like talking myself out of enjoying it, but it's like, it's like, you know, like it's a prestige HBO drama about like a powerful family that's modeled on the Murdochs. Um, but it's, uh, so it's about like the power struggles between these two, the four kids of this like media, uh, Skyon like empire. And it's really funny at times too. And my favorite thing about it so far is, um, the daughter of the family is engaged to Matthew McFadden, AKA Mr. Darcy. I and know he plays he's <laughs> plays such a he's a really like good comedic actor he plays oh. this like character who's both like repulsive and pathetic but also like really funny um okay. like he's really uncomfortable with her with her whole with her whole family and like keeps like fucking up around them <laughs> and uh, I could see that yeah but then he also will like bully other people who are beneath him like like <laughs> people who are less powerful in the family and he's really really funny so i'm really enjoying his performance um i'm also reading a book right now called terms of endearment by larry mcmurtry it's based in houston um it has like a pretty famous movie that was made out of it made from it with shirley mclean and tom uh jack nicholson not tom nicholson i don't even know if that's a person um (laughs) and it's good it's about a mother and daughter and the daughter uh when she has kids of her own gets cancer and so it's like a real, it's really, really fucking sad, but I'm enjoying it. Because <laughs> sometimes you just want to be like a little sad. Yeah, I get it's that. It's good. And I, I can't wait to watch the movie. What are you into this week, Mackenzie? Um, I feel like we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, Pen15 or Penis? Penis. <laughs> I was just talking to Shar about this and I was like, I pronounced it Pen15, but then I was like, is it pronounced Penis? I've been saying it Pen15 because Call Your Girlfriend talked about it. And they way. called it Pen15? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's so good. It's so perfect, <laughs> like, the way that it depicts. Did you watch You watched it? Here's the thing. I've only watched half an episode. I could not really? get into it. I got to give it another try. Oh, my God. Try. Really? Yeah. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I was dying. I, it's, I wish I had watched it in, like, seventh grade. I feel like I wouldn't have gotten it. But, yeah, like it's too close to the source material. Yeah, uh, it, but it was so funny. What I, I couldn't it. get into was I feel like, like when comparing it to like eighth grade that started actual middle mm-hmm. schoolers, like their mm-hmm. pain was like so genuine, and like mm-hmm. their them being in their own, like own weird changing bodies was so genuine that these two older women playing them younger selves, I felt like was too ironic, like too steeped in so mm-hmm. many l- layers of irony that I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, this is weird. I don't know. I I. F- I think that at the parts that were super like sad like which, which are the parts where it's something with their family or uh, or something within their own friendship that is like threatened mm-hmm. I think that they pull off that emotion really well mm-hmm. and I think that almost like them being older is just kind of like I don't know I think it's so funny when they're like <laughs> flirting with the 13 year old boys or whatever so and, and you know the funny thing about that is like sometimes in middle school you do like girls do look and seem older than the boys yeah. by a lot yeah. too that's yeah. so funny what else is on your list so i actually 
I've been watching Death, what is it? Love Death Robots, Death Love Robots or whatever on Netflix. Have you heard of that? I haven't. So it's this anthology of animated shorts that are like all sci-fi based. And um, I really like animation, so I checked it out. And like a lot of them are about like over-sexualized female robots. Oh my gosh. Like I was like, wow, perfect tie-in. So I don't love like a lot of them. And there's one that's called The Witness that has such a cool animation style that sort of actually reminds me of the new Spider-Man movie. But Mm -hmm. the premise is like stupid and like there's a naked girl throughout like the whole thing that just makes no sense and there's brutal violence, etc. And it's like, I I don't know. It feels like a waste of a really cool animation Mm -hmm. style. But um, And then there was one called Good Hunting which is based on a short story by Ken Liu that I read. And it's in the, his connect- collection, The Paper Menagerie. Mm-hmm. Menagerie. Menagerie. I don't know. You've got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's like the only word was... I know how to pronounce that I can <laughs> counsel you on. <laughs> um, but that one, I was like, it started and I was like, oh, I know this story. So that was cool. But same thing. It like, let I don't know. It's like, man, what is it about robots that I know? And I didn't feel that way about the story when I read it. Mm-hmm. And then the animation just like sort of turned it into, I don't know. I guess there are a lot of dicks in them too. So it's like, there's some, equality. I guess they're really <laughs> just going for it. I don't know. It's, I just, I don't know. It's like, I wish like there's so much cool animation. I just wish it. The story wasn't crippled by or like over sexualizing yeah. male gaze sh- bullshit, you know? Yep. And I mean, we'll get into that. Exactly. So I was like, <laughs> should I talk about this? And then I was like, well, yeah, because we'll, it ties into the episode really well. So yeah. Yeah. Oi. Um, so the first movie we're talking about is Blade Runner. Blade Runner is director Ridley Scott's 1982 dystopian imagining of what Los Angeles in the far off year of 2019 would look like. The sci-fi meets noir film follows Harrison Ford as Rick Deckard, a specialized type of detective known as a Blade Runner, who is tasked with hunting down and killing rebellious androids. The androids, called replicants, were created by the Tyrell Corporation to look like and act as humans, except they are faster, stronger, and live for only four years. As Deckard works to find a fugitive gang of replicants, he falls in love with a troubled android, or an android named Rachel in typical noir fashion. So this is a big one. Blade Runner. <laughs> um, Blade Runner, which is blissfully not as long as Blade Runner 2049, which is like yeah. fucking three hours long. Yeah. It, this one was still a struggle, though. I like almost fell asleep in the middle, but then I got a second You know, one. when I f- first saw this movie, um, like in, I feel like I watched it like maybe my freshman year of college for the first time. I remember mm-hmm. being struck by how it seems more like style over substance. And I think that's part of why, like, mm-hmm. you maybe, like, fell asleep. You know, it's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. tr- like uh, atmospheric shots and stuff. But upon, like, mm-hmm. which I, which I love, too, like, like, the cinematography. T- great Tumblr gif sex. Exactly. This, I, I'm I'm sure. I mean, I, oh, man, I thought that during both of these movies. Um, <laughs> but one thing I really enjoyed about looking into both to in looking into Blade Runner for this episode is that while there's certainly a large amount of style it like 
impacts the substance so greatly, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is something really, really cool about this movie. Like there's this quote, uh, we read, you sent this article by um, Michael Newton uh, called Why Blade Runner is Timeless in The Guardian. And he Mm -hmm. starts with this line, which I think is so great uh, in Blade Runner as in all science fiction, the future in quotations is a style. Yeah, I love that. And it's true for this and X Machina, mm-hmm. I feel like. They're both so like stylish, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I, I like them both. Mm-hmm. A lot. And it helps us Probably like the, the biggest Yeah, reason. and it helps us like imagine this uh different world that is still like similar mm-hmm. to ours in some ways. And Blade Runner is interesting too because it was made in 1982, but it in so many ways harkens back to the 40s. In both mm-hmm. like the yeah, style, yeah. like what Rachel wears and that like it's mm-hmm. kind of about like this tough uh detective and this ingenue femme fatale yeah um so like noir yeah based very noir based uh, oh yeah so i guess the style i guess just it does spark your imagination mm-hmm. and it does stay with you it's something that makes you think about it after you stop watching the movie which i feel like a lot of movies don't do so it's definitely successful and even though you're following just this one contained story the world seems so immersive because the style of the film is so like realized, you know, like when Mm -hmm. Deckard's walking through LA and you Mm -hmm. see characters briefly or you, you know, he talks Mm -hmm. to like a, a person at the like food stand or whatever. It just seems like Mm -hmm. everyone has, is lived in and is, is, uh, yeah. Realistic for the setting, you know? Yeah. It's very lush, very lush and not a place I would want to live. No. Not, not a future I want to live in, even though it's now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have till November. I know. <laughs> well, we are in Trump's America. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mackenzie, which version did you watch? <laughs> I watched Final Cut. I think I did too. That's the one where there's no voiceover by Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, there's no voiceover. There's no. It's the good one. I have never watched the voiceover. I don't think I've watched the voiceover ever either. So rumor is that he purposely bungled the voiceover because he didn't agree with it. Like studio execs kind of made him and Ridley do a voiceover and he thought it was shitty. So he like did a bad job of it. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, stick it to the man. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't see a voiceover being terrible for this movie. Yeah. I didn't like the voiceover in Terminator 2 either. Yeah, it was random because there wasn't one in Terminator, right? I don't think. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. It just seemed like shoehorned in kind of. Yeah. And it made me think of this and I was like, why do people do that? Yeah. But it was really some of the only ways we got insight into Sarah though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So I was really struck by, this is a movie I've seen many times, but this was my first time watching it. And feeling like a large amount of sympathy, like an overwhelming amount of sympathy for the replicants and almost no attachment to Harrison Ford as Deckard. Hmm. Yeah, I so I saw this once before, I think, in Mm -hmm. high school. So it's it has been like a really long time since I've watched Mm -hmm. it. So I don't remember like what I've thought in the past about it, except that I liked it. Mm-hmm. thought it was stylish etc i think when i was re-watching this last night with ian i realized that deckard's like a huge asshole kind of <laughs> which i yeah. didn't remember before and i think it's like he is the hero of the movie so i think that probably when i was watching it in high school i wasn't like i probably didn't think like oh he tried to rape this 
woman or he did rape her pretty much yeah uh, like i don't think i probably even like noticed that but this rewatch i was like holy shit what is he doing it's like unavoidable and what we're referencing is um deckard has like this love story with um a replicant named rachel who at first at the beginning of the film doesn't know she's a replicant and um discovers that she is and that her memories are false implants from this like the head of tyrell corporation it's his niece's memories um and it's like shattering for her and we watch harrison ford like aggressively force her to have sex with him kind of uh yeah. where it it does seem like it harkens back to like a movie you would watch in the 1940s you know like a mm-hmm. where someone would yeah. be a, a woman i uh the critic for the new york times manola dargis like wrote an article about like the forced kiss in like mm-hmm. older movies where like yeah. a woman is kind of like manhandled into kissing a guy yeah uh, and that's exactly what it's like yeah for sure um and he like forces her to he's like tell me you love me like or whatever tell me to put your hands on you or whatever yeah i was just thinking like of course like she's gonna say it because she's like being threatened violently you know yeah and also she it's kind of established that the replicants are childlike in some ways yeah so this is really a movie about like what makes you human and determining Mm -hmm. if like if you can judge another person's like humanity and the test in the movie is called the Voight Comp test, and it's testing emotional reactions. So in the film, we're told like what makes humans humans is their emotional reactions, and then we follow a protagonist who seems to have barely any emotional reactions. We watch him, you know, like kill other humans mm-hmm. basically without any reaction. We watch him like kind of rape his love interest, and in contrast, the replicants. Uh, This is a quote from Brian Egert again. He says, they are lively and they savor their brief lifespan. They play, seduce, kill, flirt, torment, laugh, and demonstrate an overall lust for life. And that really hit home with me this time watching it. I think, and I did remember it from my first watch Mm -hmm. of this, that I did sympathize with the replicants because Mm -hmm. of that end uh, kind of monologue by Roy Batty. He's like talking about uh, like sea beams off the tannhauser gates or whatever it's very and good i always thought that was just like so beautiful i don't know yes. it just like it just like spark like i said before it it, like, sparks him. your imagination yeah. also which yeah. is something that it's like it, yeah and it's apparently the actor made those lines up like he wrote those I know. himself that's crazy yeah uh yeah like roy in many ways is much more charismatic than deckard Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. first of all, he and Pris are in love for real. Okay. <laughs> he mourns her when she dies. It's sad. Yeah. It's very sad. And they it are like little, sad. like little kids um, yeah. who are desperate to stay alive. There's a, a lot of like interesting stuff we read kind of comparing the, um, the, the replicants in this movie, uh, they're like to being like this other, and it's hard to watch this movie now, which is about like fugitives, illegal fugitives being chased by a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read it in so many different ways, you know, like I was thinking about like immigration rights by watching this movie mm-hmm. where they're basically just like, you know, we have a right to be here. They're, they're trying to prove their right to life and humanity, why a cop chases them down. And yeah. also, um, this is, uh, Stephen Dalton <laughs> in BFI talking, he talks about how for a vision of the future, there's, uh, a lot of Asian and Middle Eastern influences, but there are virtually no black people in this movie. And mm-hmm. he quotes, um, in LA, like in LA too, which is a, you know, really multicultural, multiracial, um, multiracial community. And he 
you know, he quotes this. Um, well, basically, he, he points out that they're kind of the, the replicants are following in the footsteps of runaway slaves. Uh, and Batty, like, calls them slaves, you know, on the mm, run. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I had never thought about that before either. I Yeah, I hadn't either, but it, it makes sense. And it's like, oh, I found the quote, if you want me to Oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Please read it. Um, he says, this is Stephen Dalton in BFI. I think you already said that, but mm. um, he said... Uh, the lack of black faces on screen is baffling and yet on a metaphorical level at least the renegade androids are clearly following in the footsteps of runaway slaves quite an experience to live in fear isn't it batty muses as he dangles deckard high over the city streets that's what it is to be a slave yeah really striking and yeah it's hard not to like be on their their team kind of and you almost think that like Harrison Ford at the end of the movie must be on their team as well because he decides to like run away with Rachel yeah even though you almost wish that they were all able to team up yeah it's funny both of these movies I think in just from being about um cyborgs robots androids uh by the way, I kept writing cyborgs in this, and I was like, these are not what cyborgs are. Cyborgs are, like, part machine, part human, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are androids. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, like, uh, references, uh, even if they're very, like, subtle and low-key to, like, Frankenstein, you know, of a creator having to deal with um, uh, its creation, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, a repetitive references in Blade Runner to parents, Mm-hmm. Um, like the very beginning of the movie where the Voight comp test is being applied to one of the replicants, Leon, the question that sets him off is like, can you like describe your mother in positive, like one word phrases? And he's mm-hmm. like, you want to know about my mom? And then like attacks the guy. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of other stuff. There's like countless other things like, well, ra- it's like the baddie calling him, mm-hmm. uh, the creator Tyrell father, yeah. which is something that. Like, we'll talk about, I th- feel like, for Ex Machina, Machina too. Yeah. Um, the android there, or the mm. creator there is, like, I'm basically her dad, right? So. Yeah. It's funny with both of these movies, too. Uh, both of the androids have been created by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, they're so human-like and so lifelike. They basically, ostensibly, especially in Blade Runner, are people. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that these guys are made of any, like, sin- like par- parts that look robotish. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're almost, like, provoked into thinking, like, well, why do this at all? Like, women, like, biological yeah. women can already, like, uh, people with uteruses basically can already make humans, you know? Right. And it's just like, oh, just because these men wanted to. You know, yeah. Or, like, like, the only reason to. to make them is to have slaves, basically. Because yeah. it's like, why, why have a ro- like, why make a robot that can do... Like you just make a robot to do a task that you don't want to do. Like that's yeah. the only reason. It's so they're basically just wanting to make slaves. Yeah, and it's interesting to put it that way too, um, because there's kind of this inevitable idea floating around now in 2019 that like one day AI could take over. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, but we're creating it now with the idea of first, like, why not? Like we mm-hmm. are, you know, um, just because we can, and then. With like, like you said, like with the purpose of doing things for us that we don't want to do, and then like kind of like jokingly like thinking like, well, one day they'll take over too, like like a like a revolt, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is really really interesting. I accept our robot overlords. Like, <laughs> if they want to take over now, as long as they're nice and it's like a zoo environment. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, it's like <laughs> like we're the, the exactly in a yeah zoo. yeah. I would be yeah. fine with that. 
I do you, so a scene that really struck me this time around is when Zora is killed because I really liked her a lot. So she's the yeah, replicant who is like working as like a stripper or like exotic dancer with a snake, and she's like really tough. Um, she, they they reference her being on like a murder squad when she oh, was really? off world. Yeah, it's in the very beginning. So That's she's cool. really tough. Like she's not like Pris, who's a pleasure model. Um, and the scene where Deckard is in her dressing room, like being creepy to her. Like, I felt so repulsed by him and so Me on too. her side. Like, yeah. the tension was that, like, I was, like, worried about her, you know? Same. And I was like, what is she? And when he when she dies, it's, like, it's really upsetting um, yeah. that he, like, chased this woman down and killed her, who's a woman in all, like, senses of the word. Like, is, like, just a, you know, is, like, yeah. a human. Um, yeah. Really upsetting. But that is such a great look. She's wearing, when she dies, she's wearing, like, this, like, hard metal bikini <laughs> with a plastic raincoat over it and that made me want to ask you what is your favorite uh replicant look in this movie um well all of rachel's looks are like great amazing my favorite look is her eyebrows that's it rachel's eyebrows yeah. just like that one aspect i was like dang goals her <laughs> eyebrows are luscious and she's got these big boxy bangs and rachel's played by sean young and let me take this opportunity to say that for Blade Runner 2049 by Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> um, they brought back Harrison Ford for this movie because people love to make Harrison Ford reprise roles from his uh, youth, more youthful days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have Rachel appear as like, or uh, she's like cloned as a replicant. Mm-hmm. And through CGI wizardry, they make her look like young Sean Young again, who plays Rachel in the first Blade Runner. And something about watching that in the 2049 Blade Runner made me so sad that, like, we get to see Harrison Ford on film as a protagonist, as a man in his 70s. Like, we still care about him. He still has, like, a thriving career. Whereas Mm -hmm. Sean Young, like, had her younger self resurrected to be in this movie. And I guess you could argue that it, like, makes sense in the plot because Rachel, like, had a lifespan of four years or whatever as a robot. Mm -hmm. But it also was like, you made the plot up. Like, you made it so Rachel could get pregnant in that movie. Like, why couldn't she have lived? And, like, we had Sean Young as an old woman or an older woman, like, on screen. It made me so mad. Yeah. Plus, because it's ambiguous if – it's still ambiguous if Deckard is a robot or not. Yes. So he aged. So why couldn't Rachel have aged? I mean, she died in childbirth or whatever. But yeah, like, it really it really ticked me off because like yeah. Sean Young has had a, a hard go of it. Like she was, you know, uh, a pretty successful young actress, and then as she got older, had uh, less and less uh, success in finding like good roles. And mm-hmm. you know, now she's not in anything. So that really yeah. bummed me out. I feel like that's probably true for a lot of actor actresses. Yeah. Well, and so do you think Deckard is a robot or is a replicant? I don't fucking know. I like, <laughs> I finished this. I, I was watching this movie. I was like, is he a robot? I don't know. Ian was like, yeah, of course you don't remember. And I was like, no. And then the movie ended and I was like, when did they say he was a robot? And he was it's like the unicorn. The unicorn. I, like, I know. It's okay. very ambiguous though. And what, you can get really nitpicky with it, and I'm sure people mm-hmm. do. And the yeah. unicorn is a big give, which is he has yeah. this dream of memory of a unicorn, and the, the other cop knows about it. Uh, so it's like, is it an implanted memory? But something that <laughs> I'm going to get nitpicky about is why is he so weak if he's also a replicant? Yeah. <laughs> like, he can't do shit. Yeah. Why is he so weak? And also, why does he age and in also- 2049? And right? the other replicants are fun. <laughs> Both he and Ryan Gosling character are not fun. No, no. 
I wish Ryan, the Rising, Ryan Gosling character got to have more fun in 2049. Poor yeah. Ryan Gosling. He was sad that name? whole movie, K. K. Detective K or something. Yeah. Man, like, we could talk about that movie for, uh, for a while, too. That movie kind of, I enjoyed it, but it also made me really angry at parts, too. Yeah, same, same. So much I feel naked like women. in that movie, too, they kind of take the what it, what does it mean to be human and sort of, like, explain it a little too much i guess yeah, you could yeah. say yeah agreed um, uh something that i was thinking about looking at this movie it's like we were talking about with um terminator 2 and aliens that even the fashion that they're both depicting to be mm-hmm. futuristic and a throwback is still very 80s you know like mm-hmm. rachel's power suits are like 80s yeah um but and, in, uh pris pris is very like ravish mm-hmm. like she's at a rave yeah um but I was thinking of Blade Runner 2049, Ryan Gosling's character has, like, a hologram, holographic girlfriend named, mm-hmm. like, Joy or something. Mm-hmm. And she looks like a sexy Instagram yoga model. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you can immediately remember what she looked like. She has, like, chunky bangs mm-hmm. and is, like, in a like a sports bra and, like, a top mm-hmm. that's falling off. And yeah. I was like, she looks like an Instagram yoga yogi. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, like, or sometimes she looks like a, like, 40s housewife, right? Yeah, that's true, too. Um, but yeah no i it's funny too that like the technology mm-hmm. it's just funny it's supposed to be in 2019 but the technology is still so like 80s looking archaic yeah and, like like when deckard zooms in on the photo yeah oh like God, super so slowly funny. it's like a whole like a five minute scene of just him being like enhance I know. enhance <laughs> I love that. Do you know that you have that joke where you look at a computer and enhance and you say enhance? I do the, I do the same joke. Oh my God. Yes. I do it on my phone. I, <laughs> I like, if friends. I'm showing someone a picture, I'm yeah. like enhance. Yeah. So stupid. <laughs> but it's funny. That's what the future is supposed to be like. Yeah. We're, we're already there. We're there. We're talking to Siri. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, another thing I really love about this m- movie is the music, which I was reading. One reviewer was like, oh, it's so 80s. And I'm like, oh, is it? It's I love it. It's so good. It's I like, feel, well, so much music now is like a throwback to the 80s. We're all just that's true. nostalgia. We're all just recycling old things. We're and, regurgitating. Like, it's a human centipede of culture. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like spitting it. Remi- we're constantly re- remixing culture. That's, yeah, that's so true. Um, oh, I want to say that I did uh, read the book a few years ago. Oh, wow. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick. And it's not nearly as good as the movie. Mostly because Deckard, you were in his head. So you're like with all of his thoughts oh. and he's terrible. And he's like <laughs> cheating on his wife. And he's like, oh a real com- he's like a real complainer too. He's like a lot more talkative and has like thoughts and opinions about everything. Um, and yeah, he just sucks. He sucks a lot more. And in the book, Rachel and Pris are the same model, so they look identical. Oh. Um, so it's That's like kind of cool. Conf- yeah, it's complicated for him because he's like, I want to have sex with one of them, but the other one I have to kill. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. Let's read the one-star reviews because they are good, though. Yeah. So one of the, the first one-star review that Bridget pulled is, quote, 
If you're a hardcore science fiction person, action person, or any human being that has ever lived, you will hate this movie. Halfway through the movie, Harrison Ford drops everything he's doing to practically rape one of the robots. I was only 30 minutes in when I wanted to turn it off, but I'm glad I stayed until the ending because I have found the most overrated film in the history of science fiction. I thought that was uh, like act like funny that they phrased yeah. it like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was that was a review written by a man, and this is another review written by a man, and I got this guy's name, so he's the male ally of the week, Stan. <laughs> and his one star review of Blade Runner is the android hunter Deckard showed plain cruelty when he effectively raped the female android Rachel, especially when she saved his life sometime earlier. I'm sorry, but senseless cruelty is never justified, even for artistic reasons. And I was like, good for you, Stan. Yeah, thanks, Stan. Stan, you're thinking on a different level than yeah. um <laughs> these other bozos in the IMDb comments. Okay, so for our women behind the scenes section, I just wanted to point out that this movie is edited by a woman named Marsha Nakashima. And you cannot Google anything about her. This is her only credit on IMDb. And I just think that's really fucked up and weird that this movie is so famous and one of the most famous sci-fi movies of all time. And it had a female editor and she's like an unknown. I know. She sounds so cool. Like, I wonder what story she has to tell about this movie. But yeah, no, because or her career. Her. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that there are so many women behind the scenes that aren't credited yeah. or just did their thing and then weren't. We're, we're just given, like, a credit, but not mm. given work beyond or that. Or do, yeah. It's just... It's very mm, sad. It's it's sad. I remember, I think I tweeted once this stat, uh, or retweeted, that, like, most female directors only make one feature film Ugh. because they don't get rehired or, like, they, they just can't build a career. Mm. It's so fucked up. <gasps> yeah. Whereas Ridley Scott is, like, in his fucking 80s, still popping out movies. Yeah. Still making stupid alien remakes that no yeah one he's like mine is for. better james cameron <laughs> just men dueling with each other all right mackenzie what's your final thought and rating on blade runner i really like this movie i do like that it like i said i think the, be the biggest compliment i could give it is that it does spark your imagination so mm -hmm. i think i'll give it like a six and a seven a seven nice I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it an eight i love this movie okay i feel a, a renewed appreciation for it having read all these different amazing uh sources which i'll put in the show notes um mm. really really cool uh and i a very formative movie for me too in that like i can remember like seeking this movie out as a you know like a teenager and being like i am going to watch this because it mm -hmm. is like a capital i important film mm -hmm. um and really like the cinematography and the world building uh, really, really impressing me and making a huge impression on me. Um, and I, yeah, I just love it. It just, it's fun. It's not, it's not a fun movie to watch, but mm -hmm. it's just encompassing and really beautiful. Yeah. Um, even if Deckard is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, so I just think how, I don't know. I guess like maybe the point is that he is a piece of shit, but I don't think that it's kind of like our discussion about Mindhunter where we were like, is this on yes. purpose? <laughs> like Holden is like, a monster mm -hmm. and like just as bad or as like whatever with toxic masculinity etc blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But, but yeah when a man is making the movie is like is this the point or is this yeah. just what your worldview is like yeah yeah exactly like it's hard to know so i just kind of think like it's it's fun to fantasize like about what a movie with this much like style and imagination mm -hmm. would be like if it was like 
had a woman hero mm-hmm. and was about like women supporting each other and stuff. <laughs> like, just how like girls hanging that out. <laughs> just like a bunch of replicant ladies like getting their nails done. Yeah, like or like in Ex Machina, we haven't gotten there yet, but like like if Kyoko and Ava just like fucking got tr- free together and we're living together. Mm-hmm. That like talk talk about a cool movie. Yeah. Know? Dang. Well anyway. In Let's our dystopian X-Men future, X-Men. the cyborg women, I mean, the android women, take over together. So, yes, okay. please. We're Intersectionally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Intersectionally. Okay, so the next movie is Ex Machina. This 2014 film by Alex Garland focuses on three main players. Nathan, a genius bro who is the head of a Google-like company. Ava, the sexy android who is created in his isolated estate. And Caleb, a low-level coder at Nathan's company whom he calls upon to test the humanity of Ava. Over the course of a week, Caleb is taken in by Ava's seemingly innocent ingenue act. And by the end of the film, he conspires to liberate the robot from Nathan's imposed captivity. So what are your overall feelings, Bridget? Um, I can remember watching this movie for the first time and being like pretty impressed because the ending is quite, quite a shocking twist. Mm-hmm. And then reading immediately like going to the internet and being like ex machina feminist and (laughs) people just being like no Uh, (laughs) rightfully so like i remember reading um this article on bitch media about how racist this movie is how terrible its treatment of uh kyoko the uh asian android is Mm -hmm. how i think I just watched this this afternoon and Mm -hmm. what gets me about this movie is I think Alex Garland, who by the way is the same guy who did Annihilation, Mm -hmm. truly thinks that he's made a movie that is making a big statement about men and women and gender and he has called this movie post-gender which is laughable. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what the fuck does that mean? Does that mean you conquered gender or like you're over it? You're past it? Clearly you aren't. But um, I think he thinks that he did like he's saying something really interesting Mm -hmm. but I, I don't think he ultimately is I don't think he understands what he's saying. Like I, I don't, agree. Do you know what I mean? Like like mm-hmm. I definitely think there's stuff to say like glean from this movie, but yeah. I think it's not what he meant and I think he doesn't understand it. And yeah. I think it is like fucked up like like Kyoko the way that she's portrayed and the only there's only one black female yeah. Rep, uh, not replicant. Android. <laughs> I'm like getting my wires crossed. And she's the only one that doesn't have a head. Did you catch that? Yeah. It's so fucked up. It is fucked up. And they up. also have this weird line where they're talking about their types of women. Yeah. And uh, Nathan is like, just for like hypothetical sake, like, yeah. just say your thing is black chicks. And the way he says it is so gross and just yes. like dismissive and yes. just uh, like disrespectful also. Mm. It's just like. The, the first conversation that Nathan and Caleb have after uh, Caleb talks to Ava for the first time is they play it in the ex- exact same way as like two boys, like maybe in a locker room, like talking mm-hmm. about a girl who, whose boobs they both saw. 
-hmm. like you know like nathan's like tell me like what don't tell me what you're like thinking like tell me what you feel man like Mm -hmm. tell me what you feel about her he's like he's fucking awesome and they're like yeah (laughs) um and i think there's there's an interesting read of this movie as like these two men are so consumed by their own egos and their own like savior complexes that they Mm -hmm. are blind to ava (laughs) plotting to take them both down and that's their downfall is that they're so ego maniacal um yeah and i like that i'm here yeah. for that the things i don't like are we're we're shown like scenes of um like women's body parts basically yeah and i think they're meant to s- disturb us but i don't think alex garland understands like how and why that's disturbing yeah. or upsetting you know or like yeah. the implications of it yeah it almost to be honest reminded me of disturbia <laughs> Okay. Like some of the shots of like the, like some of the shots of like the cam from the ca- security camera view mm-hmm. of the house and of just uh, Nathan mm-hmm. dragging women's bodies. Yeah. It reminded me of that. Yeah. But, but like it's just like, it, it's it, like a crime scene and like also like a serial killer. Like he seemed like, a, like a yeah. murderer. He kept it trophies. Like a house of horrors. Yeah. yeah. Of these women. And to escape and liberate herself, Ava has to literally, like, uh, like, what is the word I'm thinking of? Like, when you, like, loot the corpses of her sisters, basically, to build her body uh, in its entirety. LOL, saw this hilarious review on IMDb that was like, this movie had so many plot holes. And this guy, like, bulleted, pointed out all the plot holes. And one of them was like, why did the robot think she could take an Asian woman's skin and have it match her own skin at the end of the film? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, but let's get into that. Like, Kyoko is introduced as, you don't know she's a android right away. She's just like this totally mute, subservient maid that Nathan keeps in his house. And then mm-hmm. it's revealed that she's an android. She's kind of like the real Turing test, I think, almost. Um for Caleb because like yeah. he does not inter- he thinks that she's human but does not interact with her meaningfully or like mm-hmm. like really like neither of them like treat her like a person mm-hmm. um and uh we read some great articles uh how I this blog from Sharon Chang called how ex machina abuses women of color where Sharon points out this crazy uh quote from Alex Garland uh <laughs> she introduces by saying uh Indeed, in Ex Machina, the only point that Garland ever seems to make is that racist, sexist tropes exist, not what we're going to do about them. And that kind of non-critical, non-resistant attitude does more to reify and reinforce them than anything else. Take, for instance, in a recent interview with Cinematic Essential, one of the few where an interviewer asked about race, Garland had this to say about the stereotypes in his new film. Sometimes you do things unconsciously, unwittingly, or stupidly, I guess. And the only embedded point that I knew I was making in regards to race centered around the tropes of Kyoko, a mute, very complicit Asian robot or Asian appearing robot, because of course she, as a robot, isn't Asian. But then Nathan treats the robot in discriminatory ways that he treats it. I think it should be ambivalent as to whether he actually behaves this way or if it's a good opportunity to make him seem unpleasant to Caleb for his own advantage. But like, this goes against the whole movie this guy has set up when he's like, she's not actually Asian because she's a robot. It's like, oh, but didn't you tell us that like Ava wants to have sex with everybody because she's like actually a woman because you programmed her to be a woman, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, but it's like, oh, Kyoko is not like people aren't being racist to her because she's not a real person. Like what? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it kind of reinforces her point that like he, 
doesn't realize what she doesn't yeah he, he like brought it to like a like a seven and just couldn't get there to like a 10 you know like to thinking about it a little more complexly or just like following these thoughts through to the very end yeah. like that's a crazy thing to say we you just had a movie where they insist that like the robot needed to have a vagina and yet you're like mm. it's like see when he treats her badly he's not treating an asian woman badly he's treating like a robot a robot that looks asian badly it's like what are you saying <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> it makes sense then why annihilation is just sorry. So I won't talk more shit about it. He's post gender, Mackenzie, so <laughs> he didn't need to add anything to annihilation. Uh do you want to read this great quote uh from the uh bitch media article about the banana peel? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. I love this quote. Um so this is by from uh, an article in Bitch Media called How Ex Machina Toys with Its Female Characters by Kirsten Johnson. Um, she says, One telling shot comes when Kyoko reveals her AI self to Caleb, peeling back her flawless skin to reveal her fiber optic innards. On one level, you get the feeling that this is a chance for the viewer slash Caleb to feel weird male feelings about being both attracted to and repulsed by such a hybrid creature. But viewed from another angle, Kyoko is making a feminist joke. Oh, you like how I dance? Well, check out this move where I peel my face like a banana. I, <laughs> I love that. So and funny. I feel like what is upsetting about this movie too, or like what is a missed opportunity is that Kyoko does have some glimpses of like a personality and like personhood yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, like her, like just meaningful looks or like when yeah. she does interact with um, Ava at the end of the film or that, like when she peels her face like a banana, yeah. like it's, it is almost funny. Like she's doing it to like, yeah, like, like, like tease him. Like from what she's given to do, her performance is really great. Mm-hmm. Like she's given like almost nothing. <laughs> She has no lines. Yeah. But she, like, and so it just makes me, like, yearn for more. I'm like, that, which is what I was saying before. Like, what if we were given, like, a, like a sequel where it's Ava and Kyoko living? So her performance is really great for what she's given to do. And her name is um, Sonoya Mizuno. And she's actually a ballerina also. And she's in Annihilation. She plays the double of Nellie Oh, wow. She, you can't see her face, obviously, but that's, that's her dancing. That makes sense because she is like very graceful she, that dancing i didn't you learn great. that i tried to learn it it's really? actually really hard i do want to like, get into like learning dances you know like watching videos and learning yes. i think that's so fun yeah it, it's maybe it's also that there weren't like that many great videos i mean there were a few videos on how to learn it i'm just a bad dancer well, that, i think yeah, same uh wait also that scene where uh she's trying to take off her blouse uh in yeah. front of Caleb and Caleb is like no 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 yeah, no 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 and like he's trying to button her shirt up and I'm like stop yeah, touching her bro know, like same. this is crazy why would your response be to like button her shirt up for her like you patronizing yeah. what did you think of uh Caleb overall I am glad that th- both this time and the last time I watched this movie I was like I don't care if he dies <laughs> 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 I feel like that's the appropriate reaction because like yes he it's the same like he also just wants to have her like he doesn't yeah possess her it's like he's just as i mean he's not as bad as nathan who is like just kind of like a psychopath i feel like the architect um but he's just as uh, possessive i think Mm -hmm. both this movie and the movie her Mm -hmm. with walking phoenix falling in love with Mm -hmm. siri made me 
it made me like laugh thinking about how easy it is for these like white dudes how quickly they fall in love with like artificial intelligence like caleb has like three conversations with her and is like i'm ready to risk everything for this sexy robot you know like i am gonna put everything on the line to have sex with this that is actually really funny it is easy to trick men it is funny and she's playing him the whole time too which is even funnier why does she wear she at like two points in the movie puts on these like grandmotherly outfits with short hair and i'm like is this what caleb is yeah it must be because that's like what he's been she has access it says she has access to like every single thing like piece of data in the world like that's what that's how nathan like created her brain oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, you think she'd be wearing the green dress from atonement like if you had access she definitely was playing him like by tapping into did you know that whatever that weird grandma finish was from atonement is actually a shirt and a skirt it was just crazy uh, found out on twitter someone it was uh, docked someone (laughs) announced it on twitter and was like "Uh, my life is forever changed (laughs) it's wow it's it's funny that like costuming I think about this a lot by watching Game of Thrones that like whoever does the costuming for that show puts so much time and energy into it and it's amazing. Like the mm-hmm. costuming is beautiful, but I don't think many people pay attention to it as a form of mm-hmm. storytelling, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and and some t- in some cases it's very explicit. Like this movie, a movie where what, um, when and what Ava wears is important, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but a lot of people like don't really uh take it seriously you know or it's just like background dressing but um yeah i love a good costume piece in a movie i agree and both these movies have great Mm -hmm. style this one apparently was made for like a pretty small budget and sometimes even though why the the setting was beautiful sometimes they would like show a lamp on a table and i was like that's a fucking target (laughs) lamp that's just a chrome target lamp like you can't fool me that's so funny i i can see that i was struck watching this like it is so stylish but i was struck mm-hmm. that it's almost like an indie movie the way it's like kind of yeah structured and just like there's parts that are in like black and white and i was like oh wow i was like this is very like indie right now yeah and it apparently it was made for a very small budget so people were surprised when it won best special effects mm-hmm. at the oscars because it was up against like a star mm-hmm. wars movie and that had a budget of like 200 million this had a budget of Shit. 15 million um <laughs> But, like, the her body yeah. does look great. Like, her mm-hmm. robot body. Um, I guess that's really the only special effect. Uh, the, yeah. the robot bodies. But it, they're, they're very effective. Um, I also thought the way that she, like, stabs him. Spoiler. Yeah. They, they, the robots him. stab Nathan at the end. It was so weird. Did Have you ever seen, like, a stabbing like that before in a movie? Like, well, not in real life. In but... a movie. In a movie. I feel like it just no, like, it was goes weird. in like butter almost. Do you think that's because she... there is <laughs> Maybe she's yeah, super strong. A lot of angry men in the IMDb comments were like, why would you make her super strong? Like, why wouldn't you program her not to kill? And it was like, the whole thing is about how she is like, aut- like becomes autonomous, mm-hmm. basically. Um, yeah. I like that she has such little regard for uh, Caleb that she doesn't even kill him. She's just like, I yeah, have to go. Yeah, like, stay here. <laughs> yeah bye (laughs) yeah um and i think another thing that this movie lacks is we know her motivation is obviously that she wants to get the fuck out of there and get away from her weird dad um her daddy figure but i feel like beyond that her being like i want to be near people is you know like not 
it's just not that interesting mm-hmm. or compelling. Like I think for instance, that the replicants in Blade Runner have a more articulated sense mm-hmm. of like what they want yeah. out of life and what they yeah. want from life. Uh, and like are actively mm-hmm. pursuing it. Whereas Ava is more mm-hmm. ambiguous and, um, foggy. Yeah. Kind well, of she's read. definitely seems more robotic, I guess you could say like, she's mm-hmm. definitely That's true more too. like emotionless. Like she did. Well, mm-hmm. very little emotion. But in Blade mm-hmm. Runner, like, they definitely have that zest for life, you know? They're like... They're yeah. Joie yeah. de vivre. <laughs> um, French. But I feel like maybe... I don't know. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. like, if she was given, like, a... I, I don't know. Maybe, like, her looking at that picture of, like, Twiggy on her wall. Oh. Yeah, oh my dog. Actually, I think that was Edie. Sitch. Was it? Was it Twiggy? I don't, I don't know. know. I thought it was Twiggy. It's a it's a a white model from the sixties. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Actually, who that was. You're right. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't assume I know anything. <laughs> but I feel like maybe that was like that, and that she likes drawing. I feel like those are her only two kind of. Uh. But I think in Blade Runner 2, they were also shown to care about other replicants. They had that, like, camaraderie. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's another thing. I mean, I'm repeating myself now, but, like, she... I did feel, like, the most revved up about her character when she was, like, whispering to Mm -hmm. Kyoko. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess if there was more of that... Yeah, it kind of is like an apt metaphor for white feminism in that she like claws her way out of there at the, you know, at the expense of like all of like these women of color who she like leaves behind in the dust. She's like, sorry, Kyoko, I had you stab this guy, but mm, I have to go. Like I could repair you probably. You're right. But I have to go. That's You know, like I'm out. Yeah, it is fucked up. And again, not something that Alex Garland definitely intended. And this brings me to this uh, quote from... Uh, a review by Natalie Wilson on Bitchflix, another bitch uh, named Nvidia, <laughs> where she says, so this is about how Caleb and Nathan have this whole conversation about how they gave Ava sexuality, like they programmed her to be sexual. And he's like, well, you were programmed to be sexual. And his reasoning is so stupid. He was like, well, uh, uh, Caleb's like, you didn't have to, like she could have just been a gray box. And he's like, that's not fun. Why would a gray box talk to another gray box if they didn't want to fuck? It's so childish. <laughs> But this writer, uh, Natalie, Wilson, Natalie Wilson, says, um, what Nathan and Garland don't own up to is that they are the creators. They are not removing sexuality from their creations, but constructing it. And in doing so, an incredibly heterosexist, misogynist way. Like, they're basically making the argument that, like, sexuality is, like, inherent. And that's why he pro- but he had to program her mm-hmm. to have it, you know? It's, it it's seems stupid. almost like in our last episode, we talked about mothers and how a lot of women, when they're the heroes of a movie, they're the, their motivation is to protect children mm-hmm. and the, like, it, thus the future, etc. But when you mm-hmm. think about it, women are the ones that are creating life, but they're, mm-hmm. I, it, like, why are men allowed to have this, like, creativity in this way i guess we did talk about this when we were talking about terminators a little bit but it's like Mm -hmm. they're creating life pretty much yeah it is interesting that both of these movies are about like uh failed it's basically why mary shelley wrote frankenstein to talk about like how cis men shouldn't try to (laughs) think they can create life uh yeah 
they shouldn't fuck with that uh like i'd be interested in yeah. seeing watching a movie about a woman making like artificial life Have you ever, is, is there any yeah well yes i mean in uh why the last man oh. doctor man in that property uh is this doctor who tries to clone herself oh. Um, and she thinks she believes then all, like all of the men, all of the people with Y chromosomes die immediately after <laughs> she does that. So she's kind of like, did I do that? Did I make Shit. this happen? Um, so that's like one instance I can think of, of a female creator trying to create artificial life. Uh, but it is yeah. rare. It is, it is rare. I wish there were words for that. You know, like, I, you know how there's like the Oedipal complex. What is it like a complex about men trying to like create life uh by themselves god complex oh, okay that's probably it <laughs> wait what does ex machina actually even mean it means um so the, f- the complete phrase is deus ex machina and it's like the hand of a machine or like um i believe and it's kind of uh from i think up i'm gonna be speaking probably directly out of my butt right now so let me just google it really quickly i think it's um it's like the thing that is it like the thing that comes at the end to save. It's like the th- yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, it's oh, the term was coined from the conventions of Greek tragedy, where a machine is used to bring actors playing gods onto the stage. So, like, if there's a if like in Game of Thrones, for instance, the direwolves are always hopping in at the last second to save people, yeah. like, even if it doesn't narratively make any sense. It's like a direwolf is here, and we're saved, or like he killed the bad guy. So that's like Deus Ex Machina, I guess. Kind of is like a interruption into the I narrative. I feel like in this, they just wanted he just called it that because of the hand of God part, and not because and machine, yeah, and not because of something like coming in. We're very, very, uh, very hard on Alex yeah. Garland, but. Maybe he should step yeah. up. I was also reading in that Sharon Chang article about uh, how he treats women of color that apparently he spent like a lot of time in Thailand and uh, other parts of Asia. And so she was kind of like, he should know about these negative stereotypes. Like there's no excuse mm-hmm. really um, for him not to be like, I didn't really think of it being like she is an Asian woman. Jesus Christ. Uh, so shame on, shame his, on you, his, buddy. He doesn't have an excuse. He's just like a white man. So... Yeah, he's just like, I might, he's like, he's probably like, I'm turned on by this. So, uh, yeah. Um, this is a hilarious review I read. It's a, I think it's a one-star review. Um, this brings us to Ava, who honestly has nothing going for her. (laughs) She's a, she's a robot who manipulates everything and walks out as the last man standing. I just loved this review as someone, you know, like writing it, like Ava, the robot. There's nothing going for her. Like, what? It's like, he was such a She'll bum. never find a man with yeah. that attitude. It's like, get a yeah. job, Ava. Come on. I know. <laughs> Ava, you spent all of your day in your bedroom drawing. So this is another one-star review. I have no doubt many 12-year-old boys probably grew pubes watching this movie while the rest of us cringed at this nerd male fantasy called a movie. If you've ever dreamed of raping chicks but needing them to be robots so people don't judge your proclivity too severely, this is the movie of the life of a lifetime for you. And I want to credit that. That's an IMDb user whose name is spelled M-E-N-O-N-D. And I thought that was a yeah, great, re- was like, great review. Yeah. Fuck. They did not come to play in the IMDb <laughs> comment section. Um... <laughs> Uh, so I would rate this movie a six. Okay. 
Love the performances, love the actors, Oscar Isaac, Dom Hall Gleason, who I will briefly say, to me, he is a redheaded man. Many reviews referred to him as a blonde man. He has the exact same color hair as my boyfriend, who I believe to be a redheaded man. <laughs> so I'm so I'm so confused. I feel like I'm being gaslighted by everyone in the world who refers to his hair. It's Tim's like hair is blonde. a little redder, I think. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but for, sure, for sure, I think of him, Dom Hall Gleason, as a redhead. So he's Irish. That that so yeah, defaults so. to red. <laughs> If yeah. you have a question, he's a, he's a redheaded man. The scale tips when you're Irish to red. Yep. There um, you go. What do you rate it, Mackenzie? I'll rate it a six, two. I feel like I should start keeping track of what I rate the things because I Yeah, like so we're consistent. It's probably like pretty fucked up. But, you yeah. know, I just go with what I feel in the moment, I think. But if mm-hmm. I rate a Blade Runner a seven, then this is a six. So <laughs> that's a good gradation. Um, do you want to do these shout outs? Yeah. So we got two new uh, reviews on iTunes and we wanted to shout them out. Um, one is from uh, Brian, the girl. You should follow her on Instagram. She makes really cool art. Her handle mm-hmm. is B-R-Y-A-N, Brian, the girl, because she's a girl and her name is Brian. Um, but yeah, follow her for awesome art. Thanks, Brian, for the review. Thank you, Brian. Uh, the other one is from a user named Flawed Female Character. I don't know this person, IRL. Do you? No, so, I don't, but thank you so much for your review. Yeah, and for thank listening. you so much. We love when people we don't know <laughs> listen and people we know. But like, thank you. Thank That's you for true. taking the time. Shout out to Kristen for talking to me in the office kitchen. Uh-huh. About my podcast. <laughs> yeah, shout out. Thank you for uh, listening. That means a lot. Yeah. Um, it would really help us if you left us a review. You get a shout out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on April 29th and we'll be discussing The Virgin Suicides and Mustang. Very excited. Yes. That's, I'm very excited to rewatch Mustang. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Flex is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creep Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Chick Flicks. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.